Uh, you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to continue uh, in our study of the book of Matthew. Um, just to connect it all together, some of you are here last week, you remember I was stalling and I took a week off so that we could uh, spend time uh, considering the Lord's table, uh, even as we come in our book in the book of Matthew to see when it was instituted. I, I realized this morning, as I was thinking about our message, uh, what I desire uh, and I, what I believe the Lord desires for His church here in Bear Valley. Um, I, I really believe that we as a church should be the church that needs Jesus, that we should always come back to that, that we would be the church that sees our need for Jesus day in and day out, week in and week out. I realize that uh, we need Christ, what he did on the cross for us. We need that to cover our sins, uh, but not just that. We need him for every day and, and for eternity, this, this idea that we always are in need of him. I realize that, uh, and I, I even think that there have been people who have left Bear Valley Church because we talk about it too much. Um, and I... I want to, you may think that we talk about this idea of our being needy and sinful too much too. I want to tell you that um, for me, uh, frankly, I'm tired of hearing it too. Um, I'm, uh, this idea that I'm a sinner and that I'm needy um, is is too much for me. Uh, In fact, in this age of enlightenment and all the things I can accomplish and do on my phone. Um, uh, I, I, I feel like that I should have grown past this, that there should be some idea that, that we get past our great need of a Savior. But it's not true. It's not true. We are forever in need of a Savior. And so uh, we will talk about it until He returns. And then we will rejoice about it for eternity. Um, This is how this goes. And this is what a church is called to be and it should be uh, as we meet and remind each other of the truth. And so uh, this morning, as we look to God's word, Matthew chapter 26, we're coming to a a passage that tells us about the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. And we're going to see a connection to this, this meal to the Passover meal, and it will be a reminder to us that we should not forget but remember the Lord until He returns. If you stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you, starting in verse 26. This is what God's Word says. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, He... uh, Blessing, it it broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine, until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. 
God, we ask your blessing on this time. We ask that you would encourage our hearts to reflect on Jesus, the Christ, our Lord and our Savior. God, thank you for this time. Bless your word in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, uh, we're going to look at w- what this time was. And, and just to give you perspective again, as maybe you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, shame on you. Um, and we'll see you in the next few weeks. Um, once again, there's more seats in the second service. I just want to encourage you about that. This, this is the time. Uh, Jesus is in the last few days before the crucifixion. And uh, we have markers in this passage. As you look at uh, chapter 26, uh, verse 2, it says, You know that after two days the Passover is coming. It's a marker in time that Passover uh, is coming. He goes on to say, uh, this idea that two days Passover is coming, the Son of Man will be delivered up and crucified. Uh, skipping down a, a few verses to verse 5, but they said that they were going to, they're plotting against him, but they didn't want it. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. They were seeking to take and to kill Jesus, but they realized it would not be a good time during the time of the feast. And then, uh, we see just after that, we see the um, Judas making his deal uh, to uh, give, give up Jesus. Then we see Mary anointing uh, Jesus for burial. Uh, that's what Jesus said. And then in um, verse 17, it says, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where we have us prepare for you to eat the Passover, okay? And so he's marking time for us, and he's saying, this is what's happening. And what is the time? The time at Unleavened Feast, Passover. As you consider this, what, what's the difference between Unleavened Feast and the Passover? Well, the Unleavened Feast is seven days, and at Really, the first day, the first full day, is Passover. It's Passover. Um, and as you're thinking about this, you say, well, uh, how does Jesus, uh, is Jesus celebrating the Passover uh, at this time here? And I would say, yes, kind of. Um, it, it's not exactly what a, a Passover feast would be, and we'll get to that in a moment. But as you look at Passover, what is Passover? If you turn, uh, we're not going to quote it uh, verbatim, but in Exodus chapter 12, you see what, what Passover is. Uh, if you remember what was going on in the book of Exodus, God's people were down in Egypt. Uh, they were being uh, persecuted and told to make uh, to work hard and to work harder and and this constant oppression from the Egyptians. And so God raised up a man, Moses, to bring them out. And in the process, there were ten plagues that came to the Egyptians uh, because Pharaoh was challenging God's authority over his people. 
And it come to it, it had come to the last and kind of the culminating uh, plague that was going to come up upon them. And it was the plague of the firstborn. And God told his people uh, that they were to sacrifice a lamb. Uh, they were to eat the lamb. And then the blood of the lamb was to be uh, swabbed on the doorpost as a sign to pass over. Pass over. That God, as uh, he would come about the death angel that was to come and to take the firstborn, that this blood on the doorpost would be a marker that this was to be passed over, that this was not to have this plague come to this household. And so now, as you hear the word Passover in the New Testament, it was uh, a commemorating time that pointed back to that deliverance that God had brought to His people. Deliverance. You can think about that word. Um, another word might be when God saved them from the plague of the firstborn. They remembered that there was a God who was so powerful that He could deliver His people. And so Passover commemorates when God saved them through the blood marker and reminds them that apart from Him, they would have to suffer the loss of the firstborn. It's interesting that this now, this, this idea that they look back to the time where God saved them, that, God, that time that God passed them over, and others He did not. They, they knew in their mind that many of uh, those Egyptians, that they lost their firstborn. Why? Because they weren't part of God's blessing. They had not marked their, they did not participate in the Passover. And so they were ones that suffered apart from God's merciful hand. So it was Passover that they looked uh, to this. So back to really the Passover lamb, the Passover lamb. That is a very interesting part of this, that um, Passover was great uh, for everyone except the lamb. Okay? Uh, there was a, I think the lamb came into the home. It was uh, identified as the, the one that was going to be sacrificed. It, it was with the family for a while. They, they understood. In fact, um, there's this idea that they had a Passover lamb with them. And, and they would know that this is the lamb. Well, what's that lamb for? It's going to be sacrificed. It's going to be sacrificed on a certain day and a certain time. And that lamb is going to die. We're going to eat that lamb. And then the blood will be spilled on the doorpost. They, they knew that. The family knew. It's interesting. Some of you have um, uh, thought you were farmers or ranchers. And uh, you got uh, animals in your home. And, and all of a sudden, your kids name them, right? Um, you know, unless they're named like Bacon or T-Bone, uh, you kind of forget their purpose. You kind of forget their purpose. And, and yet, these Passover lambs, they knew. They knew the purpose of them. And I, I remember uh, pastoring uh, north of San Francisco, uh, a brother, a uh, dear brother in the church, a young man. He called me up one time and he says, uh, uh, 
I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. It's, it's really urgent. I said, what's going on? Something bad? He says, yes, something bad's happening. I said, what is it? He says, I'm reading the Old Testament. And I said, what's bad about that? And he said, there's blood everywhere and I can't handle it. I can't handle it. I need to know about this. You think about this, uh, every household, that this picture uh, of a Passover lamb being sacrificed and the blood being spilled. Uh, some of you say, well, that kind of makes me kind of queasy. You know, I'm, I go to the frozen uh, food section and, um, you, know, uh, you know, boneless chickens and stuff like that, the boneless chicken ranch. Um, you, uh, um, they're really hard to walk when you're, it's really hard to walk. But um, some of you think in terms like this and you, you try to keep your world sanitary and then you read the scriptures and you realize that that Passover lamb died and it died a bloody death and that blood was at a purpose and a picture and a picture for them and a reminder, a reminder of God's provision for them. Uh, as you consider this Passover lamb, you realize that this lamb uh, gave his life uh, that they might uh, remember the, the um, Passover time. As you look at this, uh, the blood of the lamb was the difference between deliverance or death. Is a difference that apart from that lamb spilling its blood and being put on the doorpost, uh, they would have lost. They would have been the ones to suffer the loss. So the Passover lamb is the Israelites needed God uh, to do the saving for them. Without which they would experience the loss with everyone else in Egypt. And as I, I think about that. Uh, everyone in Egypt was destined for loss, but the ones who followed God and did what he said with the Passover lamb, those were the ones who did not experience loss, but it was God's power of deliverance, okay? Passover lamb. So you got the Passover, uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Passover lamb. I realize I don't have a great outline for you this morning. We're just marching through it. Um, Back to Matthew chapter 26. This is where we are. And, and Jesus is experiencing this. His disciples are with him. Uh, he has said over and over again that he is going to the cross. He's about ready to say it again. Uh, this will make, I think, the fifth or sixth time where he has said, I am going to die. And as Jesus uh, speaks with his disciples, they are... Uh, at a meal, they're at a meal, but we only get two elements uh, that are there. We have the bread, we have the cup. I want to tell you that in a Passover meal, those are two of the elements in a Passover meal, the bread and the cup. Uh, the other main element, main element, you know what it is? The lamb, the lamb. The lamb is not mentioned at this meal. In fact, uh, it probably happened if, if, it's very fascinating um, that, uh, and we'll talk about it two or three weeks, uh, when it talks about the third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour. There was a particular time where 
that lamb was supposed to be uh, killed. It was bound, and then at a particular time, it was supposed to be killed. Uh, many historians think that that was the time, that, that was the time marker where Jesus was killed uh, that next day as we look uh, to Friday. And we'll talk about that in a few weeks. But know this, know this, that that lamb was killed uh, for the, to be part of the meal, the sacrifice. And yet uh, at this particular meal, some, some would say this wasn't the Passover uh, meal that they were sharing because there was no lamb. It was too early. Um, and I want to say it, it, does, it gives us this picture, but just get those two elements, the bread and the wine, okay? The bread and the wine, the fruit of the vine. Um, super important for us as we consider what Jesus is going to share with us now. As Jesus uh, goes in, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, we see that uh, um, they were eating. It was part of the meal. Jesus took the bread and he had blessed it and broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And, and it, you have this idea that he is making something out of it that he is now going into teaching mode and he is doing something specific. And Jesus says to his disciples, take, eat, this is my body. Take, eat, this is my body. Matthew, in very succinct words, wording, he says, Jesus gave him the bread and he says, eat it, this is my body. Um, I, I, want, I want you to be careful. Some of you have some background that uh, kind of this time right here becomes something more or something different than it was made. Jesus was not saying uh, that this piece of bread is physically my body. His body was right before them, right? And so Jesus was giving them a symbol. He was giving them something that would remind them, uh, something that would point them to something else. And the physical bread was pointing them to his physical body, physical body. Okay, and he says this, take, eat, this is my body. I want to say, too, he says he gave thanks. He gave thanks. It also says he gave thanks for the, uh, the fruit of the vine as well. Why did uh, Jesus give thanks? He knew what was going on, right? Uh, he knew exactly where this was heading. Uh, he, he looked at this uh, piece of bread that he broke, and he looked at this uh, fruit of the vine that he was going to pour, and, and he knew uh, in a greater way what this was pointing to in the next few days. He knew the sacrifice that he was going to give, but it says that he gave thanks. And I want to tell you this, that his giving thanks was acknowledging that the Father's beautiful plan of redemption was going to happen for them. And that as he gave thanks, he was giving thanks uh, to the Father um, that even in his life, that he was going to give himself, that this would be the benefit for his disciples whom he loved. He says, take, eat, this is my body. In verse 27, it says, and, and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. 
drink of it, all of you. Once again, Matthew records this very succinct, to the point, uh, drink of it, all of you. That This is for you. This is something for you to do, to take in. And then he explains that, that this drink that they are taking, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Um, it says many because not all have their sins forgiven, right? Not all take it, not all buy it, not all uh, are connected with Jesus. And so as he uses this, it's interesting to me that um, he, he is calling for this personal connection to the sacrifice that is going to happen. He, he's saying, this is not something you stand off from. You stand from afar, kind of backing away from. He says, take, eat my body. Take, take in the fruit of the vine for you. And he, and he says, why? Why? For the forgiveness of sins. For the forgiveness of sins. As we consider this, uh, we realize that we need to be forgiven, right? Your sins are many. Your sins are many. You didn't make a mistake last week. You sinned. And, and it wasn't just one time. Your pride got in the way. Your selfishness. Uh, you, you shaded a story and you didn't think it was a big deal. That's called lying. You took what's not yours and it's called stealing. You said an unkind word and it dishonored the, the maker of the one you said it to. This is what sin is. And it's prevalent. And, it, and it's in us. And so as we look at this, we say, uh, I am in need of forgiveness. I am in need of a Savior. And so Jesus calls his disciples to drink of it, all of you. For This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. This idea uh, of the covenant, uh, there are a handful of covenants in the New Old Testament. and But this is the one in the New Testament. And it's a new covenant. And, and the idea of a covenant is kind of a promise or a, a, an understanding. But, but the idea of the covenant is this, a king uh, extending his favor and his kindness in a promise to his subjects. Uh, I love the, the song the choir sang, because it says, in the kindness of Jesus. Kindness. That, that this isn't, uh, you know, some of you have made deals, business deals, where you've kind of said, well, I want to buy your car. And you say, okay. Well, I want this much money. And you start haggling and you say, no, that's a piece of junk. I wouldn't pay that. And you try to get the price lower. And there's this back and forth. And in the end, everyone gets what they want and they walk away. One with money, the other with the car. But this isn't the kind of covenant of, of that. that. That's not the kind of transaction. This kind of transaction is a king who has it all. And he makes this promise, this covenant. He extends his hand of kindness. And not just to an individual, 
but he extends it to the individual and draws them into a community. What an amazing picture that when we uh, remember this time in chapter 26, we remember that, that Jesus, what he did on the cross for him spilling his blood the, for the forgiveness of sins, but to bring us into this covenant relationship with the God of the universe. It's an amazing picture. And it's, it's this richness that we could not get on, on our own. And so uh, Jesus is sharing with his disciples. He's saying, this is what's going on here. This is my body. This is my blood. And then he tells them something that uh, is important. I, I, I seem to forget it so often, even in this time. Uh, chapter 29, he says, I tell you, I will not drink it again, of the fruit of the vine, until... The day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. He points to a different time, a different place, his return. He, he points them, and uh, really he points to his departure and then his return. That there's going to be a time and a, uh, a gap in his presence that he's not going to physically be with them. And so he points to him coming again. What I believe is going on here is this, um, and I pointed this out earlier. Did you notice that at this meal there's no Passover lamb mentioned? No Passover lamb mentioned. You know why? I believe because he's standing before them. There he is. And he speaks uh, of his body being given, his blood being spilled, and he is the Passover lamb. And not, not just that that's going to happen right then, but in the next day, they're going to watch. They're going to participate. They're going to witness that he goes to the cross to be the Passover lamb. And so he takes these two elements, the bread and the wine, and he takes them and he says, no longer a Passover meal. No longer a Passover meal. Now this will be connected to me. And so Jesus, uh, as we see this, that he connects and really changes this Passover meal, this time where they had celebrated, he takes it and now connects it with himself. No longer pointing back to Egypt, but now pointing to his time on the cross. Well, uh, just real briefly, I want to point out to you, if you go into 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, you see uh, the, the church at Corinth took, and, and this is what we are to do, not to do what they did, but we are to now, uh, see, in, in the book of Matthew, the church hasn't been started, right? Uh, it hasn't happened yet. The gathering of, of followers of Christ have not gathered in a way like this that he's called them to. But you look in the epistles, the the letters that Paul wrote and Peter and others, they're working it out. They're working it out in the church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you see some things. We won't go through the whole thing. I'll breeze through kind of the highlights of that or the lowlights, if you will. 
Uh, I'll just say it this way. They took uh, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper that Jesus called them to remember. They took it and they messed it all up. They, they ruined it. And you say, well, how could they ruin such a special time? I don't know. How do we ruin special times? Have you ever had a bad family function? No time for testimonies this morning. Um, I remember this one Thanksgiving. I was not thankful. Um, Factions, factions. They had groups that were uh, falling and they were mad at one another. And as they gathered in this time that was supposed to be a meal of celebration of Jesus, they gathered together and they looked across the room and they said, I can't stand that person. I'll just eat over at this table over here. I'll just stay over with my friends because I like them and we can talk about them better when they're over there and we're over here. Factions, factions. I want to tell you, uh, when it uh, listen, listen. Uh, give it up. Give it up. If you have problems with people, give it up. Let it go. Why? And you say, why? I can't let it go. Jesus let it go. Jesus, especially as we come to a time like this, it should be easy for us to let it go. Why? Because we're looking at the, the symbol of forgiveness. And we have no, uh, no, no time where we can say, well, you know, I did this against Jesus, but he did this against me. Know this for certain, that we should let people off the hook. We talked about this this way, that grace should be our mark. There were factions. There, were, there was selfish eating uh, in 1 Corinthians as they went about this. They were sharing in a huge meal, and some had a lot, and some didn't have any. And, and the Republicans looked at the Democrats, and they said, you would have worked harder. You would have had something. I want to tell you, I want to tell you uh, that the picture here is this. That's out there. Whatever's going on out there inside the church and what God's doing, he brings us together, not to selfishly grab for what is ours, but to be ones who share and take care of everybody. There was a shaming of the poor. And all this was meant to be a time of remembrance of Jesus. That, that when they got together for this time, this purpose, they said, this, we're supposed to remember Jesus. And they used it as a time of selfish sin. He called on them. He says, uh, remember me. Uh, don't forget Christ. He called on them to not eat in an unworthy manner, but to examine themselves. And then he says, verse 26, he says, For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Beautiful picture. This beautiful focus on, on what he was and to bring it all together to say, it's not the Passover lamb. It's not the, the lamb. It, it's much greater. It's the once and the final. It's the one that now replaces all. He's the one who gave himself up that I might have life, that I might be in covenant relationship with the Father through the Son. 
It's amazing. And so as we as a church seek to work this out, I want to tell you that this time is not a time where uh, it is about us. It is not a time that is uh, somehow mystical. It is simply a time. It is a simply time for us to remember what Jesus did on our behalf. That he went to the cross for the forgiveness of every sin that I've committed. This is what we do here at Bear Valley Church, and this is why we are called to remember it. Just a few uh, closing thoughts before we participate in a time like this. Um, this time, this time is a reminder of us being needy for a Savior. Us being needy for a Savior. You're not going to grow past that, okay? There's not going to be a time where you go, oh, I, I, I got it all taken care of. I, I'm, I'm good. Like, I, I'm good in and of myself. This is a time to remember our need for the Savior. Secondly, this time, and I, I briefly talked about this earlier, but I want to hit it in a greater way right now. This time reminds us of personal participation in a serious sacrifice. Personal participation in a serious sacrifice. What does that mean? He said, take, eat, drink. This isn't, look at a symbol across the room. This isn't something, and, and even as he said it, take, eat, this is my body. And then he says, he talks of the, the, the fruit of the vine, and he says, drink, this is my blood, my blood. And you go, whoa, whoa, uh, I, th this, this is too much for me. I want to tell you, it's personal participation in a serious sacrifice. Why is there blood? Why is there blood? Because your sins deserved it. It, it, it required it. And as we look at this, we realize that this is not a, a casual slip-up. This is not a casual relationship I have with Jesus. This is me participating in a personal way with his, with his giving of himself on the cross to die. And lastly, um, just to remember, he's coming again. Coming again. That, that when we remember this time, that we get together and we share in this time, whether it's every week or every six months or whenever we do this, it, it's meant for us to go, we can make it. We can make it. You know why? He's coming again. Uh, this, this isn't this uh, meaningless life that ends up in nothing. This is uh, a reminder. He is coming again. And we can make it because of his promise. Please join with me in prayer, and then we will share in a time of remembering the Lord. Father God, thank you for your word. Uh, I ask that you would continue to stir our hearts as we reflect on the Passover, the Passover lamb, uh, what Jesus shared with his disciples. Uh, may we may that sink into our hearts. May the warnings of the book of 1 Corinthians of what the church at Corinth did and the, the selfishness that drove 
uh, even their time that should have been reflecting on Jesus. God, do your work in your church. Help us to see our need for you. We thank you in Jesus' name.